maybe somebody with a songbook. <laughs> Wanda, if Mike started walking up here with a songbook, that he shouldn't carry that, should he? Uh, maybe you've seen it. I don't like this one. A toddler carrying a baby. Have you seen that? And the parents, or somebody might think that's cute, but that's not cute. I, that scares me when a little one carries another little one. I just don't like seeing that. Um, maybe you've been in an, an airplane sitting in the seat and somebody comes down the aisle with every carry-on baggage that you can imagine and they're bumping into people and uh, they shouldn't carry all of that. A defensive player picking up a fumble and running with football. Defensive players should not run with football. It's sometimes scary to watch that occur. Years ago, and I don't even know if they make paper uh, grocery sacks anymore. It used to be paper or plastic, and now it's plastic. And I like plastic because you can drape them on both arms and put them in your mouth, and you can make one trip. And sometimes you probably shouldn't, and I end up dropping things and having to go back. But maybe I shouldn't do that. Today, there are all sorts of people carrying all sorts of baggage. You've run into them. Perhaps you've done it yourself. I've run into them. And they carry things like, you know, this is my past. And they can't let it go. Or, these are my failures. And they remember everyone. Or, here are all my sins. And they drag them along with them and it weighs them down. Or this is my guilt, and I'm not going to let that go. You've seen that, or maybe been there. Maybe you're there now, I don't know. People who carry all of their past failures and sins with them are asking for trouble and will never live the life they're intended to live. And so today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Let's pray together. Father, help us to get it, to understand that in your word, that you mean what you say. Help us to apply what we need to apply from Scripture to our lives so that, Father, we can let some things go that you promised that you've already let go. If we are carrying burdens and sins and guilt and things with us that we've confessed and we've sought forgiveness for, let us accept that forgiveness that you can give and only you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at a couple sections of Scripture and see something that Jesus did. Mark chapter 2 is where we begin, beginning at verse 1. When he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even at the front door. And he was speaking the word to them. And then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, 
Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or say, stand up and take your mat and walk. But to, to, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. He stood up. He immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Luke tells another story about Jesus forgiving sin. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman that is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon said, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not kissing my feet, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I just picked a couple of examples. There are many, many examples in Scripture of Jesus forgiving sinners. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the woman called in adultery, the thief on the cross, just to name a few. But in all of those stories that you and I have heard and read and believed, I think, from long ago, a biblical principle is established. And the biblical principle is this. That Jesus has the authority to forgive sinners. Jesus has the authority to forgive sinners. Do you believe that? Okay. Well, you're awake. All right. One to see. I'm willing to bet that all of us here in this room believe those examples I mentioned a moment ago. You believe, and, and as a child, remember the men with the mat bringing in the guy and digging in the roof and letting him go. Or you remember the woman bathing his feet, or you remember Zacchaeus or the thief on the cross. There, there are those stories that you know and you remember and you believe, and yeah, Jesus did that. Our trouble is application for ourselves. The biggest hindrance that you and I are going to have to forgiveness is not God's ability to forgive, but our ability to accept it.
Do you think that's true? We love to beat ourselves up. We sometimes punish ourselves for things that we did years ago. And we forget the biblical truth and the pattern that was established that Jesus has the authority to forgive sin. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and that's a verse that I had to learn in this church as a youth, it taught me if we confess our sins, it's not an automatic thing, we have to do our part. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and give us a new start and a new day, and that is gone. And that's an important thing for me to remember. That biblical pattern that is established for those people in Scripture is the same pattern that's established, the same principle that is for me. And yet we still carry baggage. Notice this. Following the stories in the Bible, we never find in the next chapter that those who were forgiven were back where they were. For instance, Luke never said, this is not Scripture, he never said this. The next day, the previously paralyzed man decided Jesus couldn't forgive sin, so he went back to bed and was paralyzed from that day forward. It's not in Scripture, but that's sometimes the way we live. John never says, in heaven, the thief who was crucified next to Jesus said, Jesus, you can't forgive me for that life on earth. You need to send me somewhere else. It didn't happen. But we do it to us. Why did they not? do those things? Why did the thief never come to Jesus the next day and have to say, God, send me somewhere else? Or why did the paralyzed man never go back? Because they believed God at his word. They believed him at his word. And it is as simple and as complicated as that. If we are carrying guilt and baggage and shame for things that we have confessed long ago, if we won't allow ourselves to be forgiven, we don't take God at his word. It's that simple. And we have to understand that he has never lied to us, and he never will. But there is one that will lie to us, isn't there? The devil loves to dredge up those kinds of things and lie to us. And all too often, we will take him at his word against what Scripture teaches. We do John 3, 16 and 17, other verses we learn early, teaches us this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Then verse 17, indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the reason he came. And we still live in a world that thinks God's out to get him. We still live in a world that thinks that he can't forgive me and he doesn't love me. That's a tragedy. Romans chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 teaches this. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. And if you are a Christian, that is you. Your iniquities are forgiven, your sins are covered, and the Lord will not reckon to you what you did in 1975 or whatever year it was that you regret. <coughs> in the New Living Translation, that same scripture is put this way. 
Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. That is true. At Hammond Elementary down the road, they would threaten us, and we might have talked about this before, with our permanent record. <laughs> you remember the permanent record? Do they even threaten kids with permanent records anymore? No. No. <laughs> but wow, they held that over us. In our minds, there was somebody off of the principal's office who had a stone tablet and a chisel, and they would do everything David Shivers did. And it was a permanent record that scared me to death in what Scripture teaches for believers who confess is there's not a permanent record. We convince ourselves as we listen to Satan that, yeah, there is. And God says, uh, no, there's not. Psalms 103 maybe says this as beautiful as any section of Scripture. Verses 1 to 13, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless all that was in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all of his benefits, who forgives you all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But we switch that. We make him fast to anger and slow to love. But this is what his word says. He will not always accuse nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him, to those who love him. As far as the east is from the west, those never meet. So far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. You know who wrote those words, don't you? David, who was guilty of murder, adultery, lying, and all sorts of things. But one day, David finally got it, and his life changed. And that's when our lives change, when we finally get it. George Wilson was sentenced to be hanged many years ago after he was convicted of killing a guard while robbing a federal payroll from a train. For some interesting reasons, I'm told he was given a pardon eventually by President Andrew Jackson. Wilson refused to accept the pardon. He wanted to be hanged. The question arose, can you do that? Can you refuse a pardon? And it went to the Supreme Court. They were called out to bring about a ruling, and Chief Justice John Marshall delivered the verdict. A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. 
It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he would do so, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. And consequently, he was hanged. It's hard to understand why people won't forgive a pardon that is written in black and white. But we have one given to us through the truth of Scripture if we confess our sins and change from those ways. Those days are gone. We need to know that. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, we find this great truth about biblical principle. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. And then he said, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you ignore the truth, you're going to be in trouble. But you accept the truth of God's word, you will be free. And that's the best news I can give you. Let's pray.